talk and we welcome everyone to Change for Good. And I am so excited uh, because um, today I have the great privilege of uh, sharing my conversation with Jen Harper, who is the founder and CEO of Cheekbone uh, Beauty Cosmetics, um, who, which I hadn't heard of it before, but in the last couple of months since I heard about what you do and what your, your, your business is all about, I'm so blown away and honored to be speaking with you because it's such an incredible thing that you do. So welcome, Jen. Thank you. And likewise, being uh, and having conversations with fellow social entrepreneurs is definitely those conversations I love to have. Well, you know, it's, um, and uh, just for, you know, when we were just talking, we, uh, we've had a chance to talk a couple times, but um, someone told me a while ago and uh, that uh, being an entrepreneur is hard on its own. Being a social change agent um, is hard on its own. And doing them both together is even harder. But um, I think everyone's going to be um, just really blown away by what you have to say, Jen, because you're doing them both well at the same time. And that's a very rare thing. So uh, it's just a pleasure to chat with you. And we, um, as I think you know, we, we, we created um, Change for Good as a place of community for people who are doing uh, work like you and as a place for people to learn from and learn, listen to and learn from people like you. Um, and, um, and the great thing about one of the great things about this, um, this sort of venue that we have here is, is that it's not just our conversation, we have an opportunity for people who are listening to ask you questions as well. So that's one of the things I love most about it. Um, but um, just to kind of pick up pick up on the conversation that we had earlier in the week, I think people would just first love to hear just a little bit about your own personal experience during the, the initial part of this uh, crisis, what you're doing, how you're feeling, what are you seeing? Take us into your life a little bit. Yeah, I think like everyone, we were really fearful, not knowing what the future looked like, and we still don't. Um, but it was a great time to actually realize that, you know, I think sometimes as leaders, we think we have everything under control <laughs> and we can figure things out, which we can. However, a, pan a global pandemic really showed us that, okay, we don't really know always what's going to happen or, or the direction we have to take the business. Uh, so we can, it gave us time to pause like everyone else and think uh, about where we wanted to go as a brand and strategy. Um, we were really fortunate that we were a business that was set up as an e-commerce and online already. And, you know, a couple weeks in, our consumers were just supporting us by continuing to shop online, which has been amazing. And I think because everybody was at home, they were spending more time online. So we were really grateful to have this incredible community that continued to support us throughout COVID. We did suffer supply chain issues, I think, like many um, consumer goods brands and businesses um, and still are facing that. But as a founder, we're so busy and on the go. I was doing so much traveling and by plane, unfortunately, a lot mm. across the country and into the United States that it really just halted all of that. And I got to take that time and really think about where we wanted to go. And um, one of the things that, um, that you had mentioned to me uh, before is, I can't remember your exact words, but think essentially you said like the time is is now for um for cheekbone beauty and it's it's your your time has come i think is what you said actually 
Yeah. Tell oh. us about why that's why that's the case. And everyone, I think a lot of people would maybe not say that, but no. you know, you're in a different yeah. situation. It's you know when you have those moments where you're taking time to think and you're alone. I have a great forest across the street from where I live called the Short Hills. So I'm in there, and I was like paused the other day on my hike, thinking, like a global pandemic, and then a massive social unrest. We built a brand that was talking about all of those things and and not in this like, um, you know, this is awful. We were trying to use this beautiful idea of using lipstick as a way to have really uncomfortable conversations and just let people know because part of this was that I had no idea what was going on. And historically in Canada, what happened with residential school and then learning how my family's been affected by that. So building a business around all of those ideas of sharing and creating awareness. Um, we had layered that within everything. It was the foundation of the brand. We say we were, we ex exist to empower, um, enhance the lives of indigenous youth because they were faced with a lot of um, social injustice. And one area that we focused on really early on was the unequal funding. So kids that go to school on reservation are getting 30 to 50% less funding than kids off we were like, why? How is that unfair? It is a battle that's been going on for a long time. And then I thought, well, we could just start to talk about it. And, um, you know, so having that moment surrounded by trees and a beautiful light breeze, just thinking, I'm so grateful that um, I was given the gift of this idea, essentially, to, to build a business that was about number one, representing Indigenous faces. The beauty space has never really paid attention to that and in the years that the industry has existed. And I just wanted to be the brand that filled that role um, and also have maybe what is really uncomfortable conversations and be here to answer questions for people that might feel uncomfortable to ask it somewhere else. But um, adding that layer of awareness into the brand was just um, what we'd done from the beginning. And I'm really, really, really grateful we did. I want to hear more about that. I also was curious about, like, what was your own kind of aha moment where I mean, you've constructed this incredible enter social enterprise? What was that moment where, you know, you kind of got that idea of what that could look like? How did that happen? Yeah. So if you know, the, the story was this dream I had in 2015, um, and I've been really open. This dream came after... I got sober from a, like a, a six year battle with alcoholism and in 2014 got sober, had this dream in January of 2015 that I wake up and I was like, gonna, the, there was these little native little girls covered in lip gloss. I wake up from this dream. Okay. I'm going to make lip gloss and then start this foundation in my grandmother's name, Emily Paul, who was a residential school survivor. So pop up and literally start writing this out that night. And it's like two in the morning. And this was the beginning of what is now our business plan. But then using um, which that entire year of 2015, which is my aha year, it was this year of like reckoning because I read the TRC or this final report, which is the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that worked for six years to gather information to see uh, I think what Canada could do and together with Indigenous people to see what happened because of the residential school and how they could work on making the situation better. So if you're reading the final report, 
And I had no idea, a 38-year-old woman had no idea that looks clearly indigenous, clearly looks like an Ojibwe woman, uh, looking in the mirror, that my grandmother suffered the way she did, because our families don't talk about it, and they didn't for a long time. And many indigenous, whether it's First Nations, Métis, or Inuit, um, those are things that they had held in and not shared. So understanding what my grandmother had to go through and in, in turn raising eight children, my father being one of the oldest and then him having difficulties throughout his life. And then me looking at my life going, no wonder I had these difficulties. Um, it, it was this thing that I learned about called generational or transgenerational trauma. So when one event impacts um, a family or a generation and then that in turn impacts the next generations. So even with that concept, having this reckoning and, and realizing that, okay, that was the trauma. Let's now have like this generational healing. Like how do we show that we can overcome that? And me overcoming um, my personal issues really showed me that mountains can be overcome. Um, and so building this brand has ultimately been about, again, this layered into the brand, showing indigenous youth that anything is absolutely possible. Mountains can be overcome with the support of a right, the right community. Um, and we're just here to show them that it is all possible regardless of past traumas, but we wanted to create a new narrative for all, all indigenous people. Well, that's remarkable. Um, and so um, the, the other thing that, that what you said makes me think of um, is um, how You've got this brand, which has grown incredibly since, you know, it's not that long ago where you had that dream in 2015 and now it's just the beginning of 2020. So in a very short time, you've been able to build a big brand with a social mission. And one of the things that we think a lot about, as I know you do is too, is how do you balance financial performance with the social objectives that you just talked about and, and kind of which comes first? And um, I think we'd love your thoughts on like what, what's going through your head and how you measure the success of what you're doing. Yeah, so early on, I remember thinking that, wow, there are some industries that are just really, really profitable. Like the profit margin that is, it's big, it's huge. And could you imagine, and discovering how big the profit margin is in beauty, could you imagine if a portion of that went to something good? And that's ultimately where the idea came from. I had no experience in owning or operating a business. I came from the food industry, which our profit margins are not as fantastic, especially in the food service side of things as, um, as the beauty space. So realizing that there is room in many, many industries where they could focus on, on, on doing good with portions of the profits or um, just adding all of those what we call at Cheap Home Beauty streams of giving versus ultimately always looking at streams of revenue, right? So, and we really feel like focusing on streams of giving has created more revenue for us. And, and it didn't, and it's just because you're focusing on doing something good versus just that dollar and, and, um, and finding savings. So even, you know, we're on this mission now adding uh, environmental sustainability to our, our brand and all of the projects going forward and doing that is really, really costly. But let's be real at the end of the day, what is more costly? The, the damage we're doing to our planet or finding ways to leave less damage or leave less of an impact on the planet. So just these, both of our missions 
or all of them are really all layered into that entire idea of sustainability. Our first and foremost, our goal was to sustain our community, sustain them by focusing on our youth, which was that empowering them through representation and now adding this next layer of the, um, the um, eco layer of sustainability where we're really focusing on raw ingredients where they're sourced from and, and that whole concept of like a life life cycle thinking when it comes to, to to consumer goods or products where you're thinking of where everything comes from and then where is it going to end up uh, and it's not easy it's really really challenging but we have some great sustainability organizations and experts that are supporting us our cosmetic scientists actually we are grateful to have found her because her focus as as a scientist is focused on sustainability, um, which is not traditional in the cosmetics arena. So we're grateful that we have these people and finding incredible innovative organizations that are making raw ingredients, much like the one that will come out in our new foundation, which was uh, using agricultural waste as one of the main ingredients. Wow. So instead of going to a landfill, we're taking that product that's being converted into a raw ingredient that we can use as the main ingredient in our cosmetics product. Amazing, and and, and um, in terms of your of the kind of manufacturer and um, manufacturing, sourcing, and so on, and employment, are, is all of this happening here in Canada? Have you got a mix of things going on? Like, where is it actually made? So everything we have two manufacturers, and they're both in Toronto. Um, okay. And we do source all of the raw ingredients from around the globe, um, Europe. France is where we're actually source mica, but all of the other ingredients and this agricultural waste is sourced from a Canadian company that's turning right. um, agri waste into this in, into this good. And we, again, will not use the word waste in our marketing and branding. We're really trying hard as our, our marketing team is helping and we're working on the, the branding and marketing for that project right now because nobody wants the idea, I think, of waste on their face. <laughs> But we're going to make it sound pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other question I had is, um, you know, uh, just for people who have never um, interacted with the brand, never purchased one of one of your uh, Cheekbone Beauty products. So you've got this amazing product, sustainable, contributing to increasing awareness, education about residential schools and 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 some of the issues that you talked about before. How is it that that actually happens? So for a consumer, usually, I'm a terrible consumer, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask. I buy basically nothing. However, <laughs> but, you know, you think it's usually a kind of a transaction, right? You're, you're, you need something, you're going to buy it, and, you know, it's a, thinking about price, quality, and I guess accessibility, and so on. Uh, but here you've got this social dimension, which, as you said, is core to who you are and what you're doing. So as a consumer, how are you getting that? How, am I, how, how would I get that information? How, am I, how are you creating awareness of that social aspect of this? So a lot of it is on our website. We do, okay. we're, we're a brand that was definitely bought on, built on social media. So we use okay. that as a platform to really share. We've been really open. We share the entire journey with our, with our community. Um, we weren't essentially, um, you know, the beauty industry was very much like the food industry that I came from. There's a ton of manufacturers out there that can make a product and put your brand on, on that. And beauty was the same way. So originally we knew 
we couldn't afford. We had no money. I started this with $500 essentially. And that was the only way we could afford to enter the market. Uh, we took a bunch of products from this manufacturer, put beautiful pictures up on our website. And that's literally how we started and then got orders. And then the term in entrepreneurship is bootstrapping where you're then just taking money that you're making, putting it back into the business and building. So we built from that idea, but we always knew in order for us to be completely unique and separate from what everyone else is doing in the beauty market, we wanted to create this sustainable cosmetics line. And that's where our new sustain line had come in. Um, so again, this sustainability for us is this journey. And we tell those stories through social media um, for any, and a lot of the work that I do is speaking engagements, which has halted since, since COVID, but thankfully wonderful people like yourself invite me onto your programs to talk, but that's how I would get out and, and I guess, spread the word, so to speak about who we are and what we're doing. Cause that's what we can afford. We're a really small brand. Yeah. Other cosmetics, the cosmetic industry spends billions on marketing their products because they have billions. We didn't have that. Um, so we're using, I guess, the thriftiest way to market as possible. <laughs> mm. So actually, one thing I should just share, I, I think the, the, the website is, is cheekbonebeauty.ca. Is that the website? Yes, or .com. You can find it either or, way. Or .com. So cheekbonebeauty.ca or .com. Everyone should look at that. Um, and the information is there. Um, the, uh, I have a, one question here, kind of more of an operational question. Um, uh, how has COVID affected business due to delayed international deliveries from suppliers and have prices r risen? Uh, no, we haven't risen any of our prices, which was good news, but we did suffer some supply chain issues and have been from the beginning. So that just meant um, for us, it's pigments, you know, it was harder to get them. Deliveries were taking four to six weeks when they used to take mm five to 10 days. So it, they have impacted us. Uh, our main supplier for a bunch of our new products that we're working on, what, they completely shut down. Our labs completely shut down. Everyone's back up and running now, but everything is much slower than it once was. Thank you. So here's a question for all the entrepreneurs that, you know, because entrepreneurs are always thinking about a couple things. I think one is what is, you're always thinking about um, kind of lying in bed at night thinking, if I could only do this thing, <laughs> it would be better. <laughs> so what is that thing for you? Oh, wow. Right now it's great time classes because we're, uh, we're working on some job postings just because of the, the scale and the growth of our business in this moment, in our moment we're calling it our cheekbone moment. Um, we need so much help in so many areas, but for, for us, it's operationally and, and logistics, all of those sorts of things. So I wish I could have, you know, I, in my mind, when I envision this person, they're just the most, the most organized, organized person that's ever existed is who I'm, who I'm looking for. But um, it is that, that side of things, because it's hard as the leader to do that day-to-day -day work or think about the day-to-day -day operations and be creative at the same time. That is, that is a really big challenge. Uh, and I'm really grateful that we have an amazing board of directors that help us realize that and say, no, let's get those roles filled so that you can focus on strategy and growth. Nice. Uh, the, another entrepreneur kind of question, which is um, something I think about all the time. And um, 
which is, you know, and you and I talked about this before, which is learning from failure, you know? So is there something that you could share with everyone, something that didn't work as well as you thought it should and what you, what you learned from that? Oh, that's such a great question. Cause I feel like we're failing all the time at stuff, whether it's mm. big or small. Um, mm. But I think early on signing contracts that companies make you think you have to sign, but if you, you negotiate long enough with them, you don't have to sign contracts. Mm. So early on, mm. signed a contract that I wish I hadn't. So um, definitely learn from that mistake. That was really, really expensive. Um, mm. So now no, no signing any more contracts longer than 30 days, which is fantastic. But um, so I will definitely not make that mistake again. That's one of the big ones. And then um, hiring people, right? You, that is, I think, one of the hardest things to do is hire people that are just as passionate as you about what you're trying to build. And we've been really fortunate that have some people working with us that are, are passionate, but we need lots more. <laughs> so, and it's the time that it takes to hire and train, it, it's a big chunk of time. So you really wanna mm. try to get the best bets. And we've had a few that, you know, weren't the best, but we've had a lot that were, so. Uh, the, the other thing I, I um, think of when I'm listening to you is that I think you're such an inspiring person. Who's inspiring to you? Like, who do you get inspiration from? So someone asked me this yesterday, and I, this, I, I don't know why I giggle, but um, I'm like a huge Oprah Winfrey fan. <laughs> like, I adore totally. her. Totally, yeah. Right? Like, the, you know, just listening to her for all of these years i know when i had my kids that's when moms are at home and you get to be at home at four o'clock when she was on tv so listening to her and being able to i think try to emulate her example of leadership is incredible and the just the concept or ideas that she put forward on intentionality and, and those sorts of things so as a as a leader trying to be really intentional about every project that we're working on. And I, I think you and I had discussed that in, as a brand, we built in the foundation that we ask ourselves the question before every um, project or relationship or collaboration of some kind, how will this impact indigenous youth and how will this empower them? And if it doesn't, then we don't do it. But if it does, we will. But that makes our job really easy. So, because that is our intention. That's why we're here. So it eliminates a lot of stuff that we don't have to do. And that actually uh, makes me think of, um, of some of the work that you're doing with, um, I believe it, is it the First Nations uh, Child and Family Caring Society? Yes, exactly. That you're working with. And t tell us about this particular program I think you mentioned before. Shannon's Dream, is that, what, is that it? Yes, yes. So tell us about that. And early on, after that dream and starting the business, I used a business advisory board to get started. And once I had the plan made, the business plan and the financial plan, the marketing plan, use this board of really unbiased people to read my plans and see what they mm. thought. Um, and that foundation that I wanted to start in my grandmother's name was like starting a whole new company, which now I realize would have been. And they suggested just finding an organization that you believe in that you can support with donations versus creating this foundation so early on and just focus on building the business. So that was really excellent advice. Went home that night and was a little bit worried because I'm like, well, who am I going to trust this much? And where am I going to find this organization? And not long after 
heard Cindy Blackstock on the news in January of 2016 when she had won the Human Rights Tribunal case that saying, yes, Canada does treat First Nations children unfairly. Um, and I looked up the organization and it's incredible the work that they have done. And this woman is just the epitome of like indigenous values and principles. And she has dedicated her, her life to fighting for the rights of First Nations mm. kids. So that was a no brainer that we would, mm. you know, whatever we could support them with, we could. We're not profitable. <laughs> As a business, um, you, when you're when you're in the startup phase and growing and building, you have to spend a lot of money to be where we are. And capital is a huge, huge portion. You need a ton of capital to grow. And even though not being profitable, we knew from day one that we would support them with what would be 10% of the profits that we did make based on the sales that we were doing. So we've, we've done that along the way, regardless of not making any money, um, wow. but we're still, we've been able to donate just over $8,000. We've worked on several other projects or other streams of giving and have been able to donate in total. I think it's just over 20,000, $25,000 worth of products and donations for different organizations that support and empower indigenous youth or women and or business owners. So we're really grateful that we can now use products to support people as well as, as cash donations. Uh, and we know we're not giving up on our original dream of starting a foundation or a scholarship fund in my grandmother's name. So that is since COVID, we've had to kind of slide that on the back burner for now, but um, that is in the works that we will eventually have a scholarship fund as another and we should also share with everyone here and, and with the um, Change for Good community how other people could support the First Nations uh, Child and Family Caring Society and, and this particular Shannon Stream program. So you know, if there's a website or something, you could... Yeah. So it's fncaringsociety.com. And okay. if you just click on Shannon's Dream. So Shannon's Dream specifically supports that unequal funding gap between kids that go to school on res reservation versus kids that go off. And Shannon Costatuan, it's named after her. She has sadly uh, passed away, but she spent the last few years of her life creating this um, idea that it, it's really unfair. She was only 12 when she discovered it, but she, after a school trip, realized her school was dilapidated and she was going to classes in portables that were full of mold and went to another school on a school trip and saw the difference and was, I think, essentially appalled at what she saw and realized this is not fair. How come this is happening to us? Uh, and started this journey on getting people to pay attention and uh, creating awareness around this funding gap. And so Cindy then took on that cause and we donate 10% of our profits to, to that organization. And the branch is called Shannon's Dream. That's fantastic. And I, I, and impact itself is making a donation to this cause as well. So we're happy Thank to Thank you. That's that awesome. Too. Yeah. So we're almost out of time, but one of the things that I was thinking of, um, uh, this is early on, I don't know, maybe a number of, maybe two months ago, three months ago, when we were starting, almost starting these conversations, these change for good conversations, I had the opportunity to speak with um, this amazing woman named uh, Tabitha Bull, who's this the CEO, President and CEO of the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business. She said one of those things that really st stuck with me. You know, sometimes you hear things and it's just like, that's, it's, everything is right there. And what she said, 
was that um, that indigenous businesses or people think seven generations ahead. And I thought, wow, that's such a meaningful thing. And then you said um, earlier this week, you said you think about what matters to the next generation. I think yeah. that's what you said, right? So tell us about that. Like, what? How, how does that uh, inform your thinking? And and what can what can the rest of us learn from that? Yeah. So when I talk about those questions, we ask ourselves as a brand. That first one was about our youth, and now we've added on as we're trying to make less of an environmental impact. We've now asked ourselves, how will this, what we're doing today, what we're making, uh, mm. impact the next generations? So that was an just an added. Mm. Uh, step into our processes of making decisions. Uh, and it is, it comes from a, an Ojibwe teaching about seven generations and that's Indigenous people think that that far ahead. And I think you can, and most people can attest to when you look at us culturally, there is this relationship between all things that are living and that includes our planet and everything on it. Thank you so much. You know, I uh, I think that um, I I learned so much from listening to you, uh, and I know everyone else will tell you so you, what you've done is so incredible and so inspiring. Uh, I find personally, and also just as another entrepreneur, to hear your story is phenomenal, and what you've done in such a short time. So, thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing Cheekbone Beauty's story today. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Well, it's a pleasure, you know, and um, um, I hope to stay in touch with you. And, and the, also, of course, thank you to everyone here listening today. Um, I wish I could see you in person. I wish you could hear. That's the frustrating thing about these things. You can't see people's reactions, but I know that well, I'm so excited to listen to you. Also appreciate our team at Impact and helping to pull these together every week. Um, and um, Everyone will receive a copy of this uh, conversation um, that Jen and I have had, um, I think, uh, by email tomorrow. That's what the entire Change for Good community, and so we hope that's helpful. Um, we're taking a break next Thursday. Uh, we would have normally had a, had a Change for Good, but it's close to Canada Day, so we're going to take a little break there. We will be back, though, on July the 9th, and I think it's at 1 p.m. for that one. And uh, we're going to be very uh, happy to welcome an incredible uh, person named Mark Tewksbury, who is a Olympic Canadian Olympic swimming icon and uh, and change agent himself. So really really psyched about that. So thank you again, Jen, and appreciate everyone being here. And um, we look forward to next time. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Have Take a great care. day. Yeah. You too. <laughs>